I don't remember when the service was that, but but I remember at the end of a service, I I touched on something. I I I made a statement about something, and and um, I'm going to come back tonight, and, and I'm going to say it again, but I'm going to I'm going to fill it out a little bit more than what I did that night. I want you to stay with me. This is, again, one of those messages that it's easy to get sidetracked and it's easy to start trying to guess where I'm going. And please don't do that. When I get to where I'm wanting to go, I'll tell you. So don't try to figure out the path ahead of me. Just stay with me, all right? And let's get there together. Um... 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. The apostle said, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, are you you following what Peter's saying here? This is important. I know you're standing, but it's important that you are following his train of thought in all of this. As he says, you know, there will be those who will come along in the last days and say, yeah, we've been hearing that all our life and nothing's happened yet. Now, he said they're going to say that because they're walking after their own lusts. In other words, they don't want it to happen. They really don't want the Lord to come. And, and so they're going to look around and they're going to say, yeah, he's been promising it, but he hadn't kept his promise. And he said, but they're willingly ignorant of some things. Willingly ignorant of some things. That, first of all, that the only reason the world is still here is because God's got his hand on it. God's keeping it. And, and then he said, and, and don't be ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. In other words, God's not bound by time. God doesn't operate by the same calendar that we use. God doesn't have a watch on his wrist. 
And there are no clocks in heaven. Time shall be no more. And so, don't, don't misunderstand that Peter's giving an equivalence here. One day equals 1,000 years. He's saying to God it's all the same. There's no difference to God. It's just time doesn't matter to him. So when they start saying God made promises that he hasn't kept, you've got to understand that God's not operating by their time clock. And so he says in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. It will come. He's not slack concerning his promise. And and the promise being spoken of here is the promise of his coming. That's why I started with the beginning so you could see He made a promise to return and then he says he's not slack concerning his promise. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So I want to take my title tonight from verse 9 where Peter makes a statement and I'm going to I'm going to pull from this statement tonight and I'm going to we're going to make an application here that I think is important for us as a church Peter says in verse 9 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise he's not slack concerning his promise that's the charge that's what the world says about him that's what they're accusing him of but he's not he's not Slack concerning his promise. And I want to just take these four words and do some teaching slash preaching for a few moments tonight. I want to talk to you about slack concerning his promise. Slack concerning his promise. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices Let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. We need the touch of God. 
I need God's help tonight. Let's everybody talk to the Lord together. Jesus, I love you. I ask you, God, help me tonight to deliver the burden of my heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help me to deliver what you have put upon my heart tonight. God, that you would speak to the hearts of this people. I ask you, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would open eyes and enlighten minds tonight, God. Open understanding, I pray. And help us, O oh God, to get the message you want us to have tonight. We thank you now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Could we praise him for a moment before we're seated, everybody? Let's praise God together. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. I need your help tonight. Amen. I need your help tonight. My voice is stronger than it was this weekend, but I think you can tell still a little crackly. I just, I need you to help me out tonight. Would you do that? God bless you. You may be seated in our text, as I have already pointed out to you, the Apostle Peter said that there would be those in the last days who would scoff or mock at the Lord's promised return. And yet he went on to assure us that there was no reason to wonder about God's fulfillment of his promise. We don't have to question whether God is going to fulfill his word. We don't have to wonder whether God is going to fulfill his promises. When God says he's going to do something, God is going to do it. Amen. Praise God. One commentator writing about this passage said that it should not be inferred because his promise seems to be long delayed that therefore it will fail. Hear me tonight. We should not infer that because the promise of God seems to be long delayed that means it will therefore fail. You see, here's the problem. We try to put God into the mold of human beings. And we understand that when people, after a considerable lapse of time, fail to fulfill their engagements, we then infer that they have changed their plans, that something's come up. There, there is something they didn't take into account, and they no longer have the ability to perform what they promised. There, there is something that has caused them to not be able to keep their obligation. And I'm telling you, we get to thinking the same thing about God when we don't see his promises fulfilled within the amount of time that we think they ought to be fulfilled. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you tonight that no such inference can be drawn from what appears to be a delay in the promise of 
God. I'm here to tell you whatever may be the reasons, amen, that God has deferred his promises, you can be sure that it's not because he can't do it. And it's not because he's changed his mind. It's not because there's some problem he didn't count on. I'm here to tell you God is going to keep every promise he has ever made. Amen. And Peter says, the reason that we can be so sure of this is because God is not slack. God's not slack concerning his promise. Now, this word slack uh, is used uh, many times in Scripture, both the Old and New Testament. And it can have a lot of different meanings. It is even translated in several different ways. For example, um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, this very same Greek word that here is translated slack. This same Greek word is translated a different way. Uh, when Paul is writing to Timothy, talking about his desire and his hope to come see Timothy. Uh, let's read this, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, now notice what he said in verse 14. He said, I hope that I can come to you shortly. Of course, anytime I come, that's the way I come. I, I can't help that. I'm five, seven. I can't help it. Anytime I come, I come shortly. Um, that, of course, that's not what Paul meant. Uh, but, but, but he's saying, you know, Timothy, I hope that I can be there soon. My, my, my plan is to come see you quickly. That's what I hope I can accomplish. But he says in verse 15, if I tarry long. And those two words, tarry long, are actually the same Greek word that Peter used that is translated as slack. And, and so Paul is saying here, if it appears that I am slack concerning my hope to you, there are some things that I want you to know just in case I don't make it as quickly as I, as I wanted to. Amen. And, and so, so here it's translated differently. Uh, and, and according to uh, one of the Greek scholars that, that I like to look to, he says that this word means to delay or to loiter. He said the Septuagint uh, actually translates it as to linger. And another man says it means to be tardy. Uh, you're late for an appointment. Uh, another, he said, uh, says that besides delay, the idea of lateness with reference to an appointed time. And he said another man comments this, that the idea that is being combated here is that God has made a promise and he has not yet kept it. However, God is not slack. And what Peter is saying is, God is better 
than his promise. And this, and, and, and what Peter is saying, he said, look, God's not willing that any should perish. And we can't take that out of the equation. Because what Peter is trying to say to the readers is, you got to understand, God has not dropped the promise. God is still wanting everybody to be saved. God knows not everybody will be, but he wants as many as possible to be saved. God's not uh, refusing to fulfill the promise because he can't do it. God's not refusing to fulfill the promise because he doesn't want to do it. It's not that God changes his mind, but what's going on is there's something else in the plan of God that's still got to be accomplished. And when that gets accomplished you can count on God to come through and fulfill every word of his promise hallelujah amen amen he says delay does not spring from an unwillingness or inability to perform God's not putting it off because he's not willing to do it. Nor is he putting it off because he's not able to do it. Amen. He's putting it off because there is yet something else that needs to happen. Well, hallelujah. And and in light of that fact, in light of the fact that God's putting this off, Because something else needs to happen. Peter said, I just want to assure you, God is not slack concerning this promise. Amen. As I looked into this, as I said, uh, there, there are those who say it means to loiter. The idea here is to become relaxed or even to be slothful. So Peter's saying, look, God is not slothful about this. And neither is God relaxed about his promise. God has made a promise, and his eyes are on that promise. And when God makes a promise, there's one thing that's going to happen. God is not going to rest until that promise is fulfilled. Now, it may not happen today, and it may not happen tomorrow. It may not even happen as it's been with the coming of the Lord for 2,000 years. But I can promise you, for 2,000 years, God has not been resting on his laurels. God has not been sitting around twiddling his thumbs. But for 2,000 years, God's been working. God has not been relaxed about his promise. Hallelujah. Now, no matter, no matter how many people doubt God's promise to return, no matter how many people mock it, delay does not spring from God's unwillingness nor inability to perform. He will keep his promise. And furthermore, He's not slack about it. He's not idle about it. He's not slothful about it. 
I want somebody to hear me tonight. He's not idle about it. God's not just sitting back in heaven waiting for the calendar to finally turn to that day. That's not how he works. God made a promise and God's got things that have got to come to pass. And when those things come to pass, the promise will be fulfilled. Because God is not slack. He's not slothful. He's not idle. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going somewhere here tonight. Now look, we see this idea of idleness expressed in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10 verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Mm -hmm. So here's this word, slack. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. The, The complete Jewish Bible says it this way. Idle hands bring poverty. Diligent hands bring wealth. Idle hands bring poverty. Diligent hands bring wealth. I like that. I like that. You should like that too. In fact, you ought to put that into practice. You ought to make it a life motto. Idle hands, idle hands will bring about poverty. So I'm telling you, this is what God said. So God's hands are not idle. Peter said God's not slack concerning his promise. God's not being idle. Oh, I feel this. I'm trying my best to just lay the foundation before I, before I lay it all out there tonight. I'm, I'm trying to take my time. God's not idle about his promise. But when God sets his sights on doing something, God is going to work until it comes to pass. That's the way God is. That's the kind of God we serve. Well, hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Read for me. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, on the seventh God day, ended his work. God ended his work. Which he had made. Uh-huh. And he rested and, on the seventh and wait, day. And he did what? He rested. God rested. God rested. On the seventh day. On the seventh from day. all his work which he had made. Uh-huh. And God blessed the seventh day. He blessed day, the seventh day. And he sanctified and it. And he sanctified it. Because that in it, he had rested from on all his work. On the seventh day, he rested. Now listen. God didn't work and create half the universe and then take a break. God didn't work three days and then take his day off in the middle of the week and then work three more days. The Bible says on the seventh day, God 
rested. And why did he do that? That was verses 2 and 3. Back up to verse 1 and read what verse 1 says. Genesis 2 and 1. Is that, that should, should have been right there. It's not? Thus the heaven and the earth were finished. Yeah. And all the host of them. Yeah. Thus the heavens and the earth were what? Finished. They were what? Finished. That's why God rested. God didn't rest because he was tired. God didn't rest because he was worn out. God rested because what he intended to do was complete. God said, here's what I want to accomplish. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to take this nothingness and I'm going to make something out of it. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God began to speak day after day. He brought things into existence by the power of his word. And he didn't stop until everything was done. And when it was all finished, that's when God finally rested. I'm telling you, that's the way God is. He is not slack concerning his promise. I'm here to preach to somebody tonight. I'm here to tell somebody tonight. I don't care how long it's been since the promise was made. I don't care how many years have passed since the promise was made. I don't care. Amen. I'm telling you, God hasn't stopped working from the time that the promise was spoken. From the time that it left his lips. God has been working on something. He's been doing something. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to figure it out but he's doing something because God is not slack concerning his promise uh, listen to Philippians 1 verse 6 being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ yeah, yeah. yeah this is one of those I don't know if this is on that list this is one of those that's one of my favorites. And I love it because of what it says. I have this confidence that when God starts something, he doesn't rest until it's done. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God we serve. We might get tired. We might get distracted. We might get discouraged. Men might decide it's not worth the effort, but not the God that we serve. Not the God that I'm preaching to you about. He's not like that. I'm confident. I've got faith that he which hath begun a good work in you will keep on working. He's going to keep on working. He's going to keep on working. He's going to keep on working because he's not slack. I'm going to tell you, you hear me tonight. If you backslide, it's not God's fault. God didn't give up on you. You gave up on God. I don't mean that to be harsh and mean and hateful. I'm just trying to tell you. If you want to live for God, God's going to keep fighting for you. If you want to make it, God's going to help you make it. Because he's not slack. Concerning his promise. Now, 
This is, this is not, this is just the introduction. Don't get too nervous. This is just the introduction. I'm going somewhere here tonight. Look, I, I want to I show you something. God feels strongly about slackness concerning a promise. He does. Now, here's where I don't want you to get. Don't get distracted. I'm just using this for an illustration. This is not the point of my message. Don't come running to the altar screaming and crying and begging God to forgive you. This is not a heavy message of repentance. At least not yet. I'm just trying to make a point. Go to Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 to 23. Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 to 23. Listen to this. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God. All right, when you make a promise to God. Thou shalt not slack to pay Don't slack. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee. Uh-huh. And it will be sin in thee. Yeah. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, yeah. it shall be no sin in thee. Right. It would be better not to make the promise. Read. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform. It. Perform it. Even a freewill offering, yeah. according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord yeah. thy God. Yeah. If which, thou hast, Go ahead. which thou hast promised with thy mouth. Yeah. So anything, you make a promise to God. Here's what he said. God said, I'd rather you not even make a promise than for you to make a promise and be slack about it. God doesn't like slackness concerning promises. All right? I just want to establish that fact. He's not slack concerning his promise. And he doesn't want you to be slack concerning your promise. All right? Now, stay with me. Because now we're about to get to where I want to go. And this is, this is what I touched on the other night at the end of service. And some of you may not even remember it. And that's fine. Uh, Joshua chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. Joshua 18, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh, and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. Yeah. And the land was subdued before them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, look, this is 18 chapters into Joshua. Joshua, you know, is where they've started taking the land of promise. They've been going over there, and they've been, they've been, they've been capturing cities. Walls of Jericho came down. They had their little setback at Ai. And went back and took that city, and they've been conquering cities, and they've been capturing lands, and so we're now 18 chapters into the book of Joshua. And, and the land was subdued before them. All right, read. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes, which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack to How go possess the land? How long are you slack to go possess the land? Which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you. Now, look, the first thing that I want to point out to you is that this is taking place at Shiloh. Shiloh is a Hebrew word that literally means the place of rest. Now, Shiloh is where they erected the tabernacle. 
You know, they carried it with them through the wilderness for 40 years. They come into the land of promise. They go to Shiloh. I've been to Shiloh. It's one of the most exciting stops we made in Israel. Uh, it's another story for another night. I don't have time to go into all that. But it was, um, it was quite the experience. But there at Shiloh, they erected that tabernacle and put it on a, a foundation of sorts. And, and there they housed the Ark of the Covenant. And this was the place where Samuel grew up. This is later on. This was Shiloh was the place. Before there was ever a temple in Jerusalem, Shiloh was the place where they considered it to be the house of God. But it meant the place of rest. And so they were at the place of rest. And the Bible says the land was subdued before them. And so they had rest of sorts from their enemies. But listen again to what verse 2 says. Read verse 2. And there remained, there among, remained the Israel, among the children of Israel seven tribes. Seven Seven tribes. Which had not yet received their inheritance. Now how many tribes were there? Twelve. Over half of them had not received their inheritance. That's a lot of cities that have not been captured. That's a lot of land that has not been taken. Their enemies are not fighting them. They're comfortable. They got their tabernacle. They got the Ark of the Covenant. Things are going pretty good. Well, hallelujah. So they can be at the place of rest. And why worry about it? Well, I'm going to tell you, Joshua was worried about it. Because even though they were camping at the place of rest, there was work still to be done. You hear me? God was not pleased with people stopping short of seeing his promises fulfilled. That's not how he operates, and that's not how he wants his people to operate. And that's why Joshua said what he did in verse 3. Read that for me again. And Joshua said, Joshua to, the said to the children of Israel, How long are how you slack long, to go possess? How long land? are you slack to go possess the land which the Lord which your, the Lord your God amen, has given you? You see, God didn't want them to be slack about his promises. This is what I've come to preach to you about tonight. Amen. We know God's not slack concerning his promise. And we know he doesn't want us slack concerning our promise. But I've come to tell you, God doesn't want us to be slack about his promises either. And when God has made promises to his people, he doesn't want us setting up a tent and saying we're comfortable where we are until we see everything that God said we're supposed to see. We got to get out there and keep possessing. We got to get out there and keep fighting. 
Oh, somebody help me preach a little bit here tonight. I don't want to be idle. I don't want to be relaxed. I don't want to be slothful. The promises of God are yet to be fulfilled. I want to get busy. God didn't want them resting. When over half of Israel had still never gotten what he promised them. See, I'm going to tell you what the problem was. They'd forgotten. God promised to fight for them. Read, read verse 3 for me again. What, what did it say? And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go to possess the land? How long are you slack to go possess the land which the Lord God, the Lord your God, your fathers hath given hath given you? God said it's yours. God made a promise. But listen, even though God promised it to you, God's expecting you to go get it. You can't stay here at Shiloh and expect God to just move the land to where you are. Oh, I'm preaching tonight to the truth church. I'm telling you, we can't just erect our tent, amen, at Shiloh and say, all right, God, bring it in. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, we got to go out and possess it. We got to fight for it. We got to keep on praying. We got to keep on fasting. We got to keep on inviting. We got to keep doing everything we can do. We cannot be slack concerning his promise. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, help me, help me, help me. I got nine minutes, nine minutes, nine minutes. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Read. To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They couldn't enter in because they didn't believe. They did not believe. They did not believe that if they'd just get out there and fight, God would give it to them. And because they didn't believe it, I mean, look, he's talking here about the children of Israel when they left, when they left Egypt and they went and viewed the promised land and they came back with grapes so big, it took two men to carry one vine. But they came back and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. They didn't believe that God would keep his promise. God said, it's your land. God said, I'm giving it to you. God said, this is going to be yours. I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. Oh, but there's giants. Doesn't matter. God said, he's giving you the land. Oh, but there's walled cities. Doesn't matter. God said he's giving you the land. Hey, I'm preaching tonight. Oh, there's COVID. Doesn't matter. God said he's giving us the land. Oh, I'm preaching tonight. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost. Come on, we cannot be slack about the promises of God. We got to keep pursuing. We got to keep fighting. We got to keep praying. We got to keep doing everything we can do until every promise.
promise has been fulfilled. Oh, hallelujah. Be seated. I got seven minutes. I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching. God doesn't wear a timepiece, but I am. And I know you are, and that's why I am. Now, having said all that, they didn't believe it, so they couldn't enter in because they didn't believe. The writer continues this same thought as he gets into chapter 4. So let's go into chapter 4. We're in Hebrews now, Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse number 1. Let us therefore fear, fear. lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. We've got a promise of entering into his rest. And if you should seem to come short of it, let us fear that we come short of that promise. Read. For unto us was the gospel preached. Unto us was the gospel preached. As well as unto as them. As well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. It didn't profit them. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard. They didn't mix it with faith. Now, now, now look. Look. Here they are, Joshua. They're at Shiloh. Five tribes have gotten their territory. Seven have not. What happened? Five of them believed. Five of them fought. Five of them said, we want it. Seven of them said, oh, well, it's nice here at Shiloh. We're not having to fight at Shiloh. It's not costing us anything to live at Shiloh. We got distant cousins that live all around here. You know, we can, we can just stay with them. For, it's not costing us anything. It's not costing us anything. We don't have to pay a price. Oh, truth church. I'm telling you, something had to be stirred up in the hearts of those other seven tribes. The writer said, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Both heard the same thing, but it didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. Verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. We enter in. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, Uh if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Read. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day oh, on this Oh, now we're back wise. to that seventh day, aren't we? Read. And God did rest God the seventh day from all his works. God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And in his place again. Yes. If they shall enter into my rest. Uh-huh. Seeing therefore it Now remain. listen. Listen. He comes along. He says there is a rest. There is a rest. But there's a problem. Not everybody's going to that rest. Now God rested. And there still remains a rest that some haven't entered yet because of their unbelief. Read. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. Some must still enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Yeah. Again, he limited a certain day saying in David, today Today, after so long a time time. as it is said, today Today, ye will hear his voice. If you'll hear his voice. Harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, uh-huh. then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There remains therefore a rest. There to the still people. remains a rest. 
to the people of God. There is a rest that God wants to give his people. But listen, it's only going to come according to God's pattern and plan. Amen. God, amen. God's not slack concerning his promise. What did I tell you in the beginning? God's not slack concerning his promise. When there's a promise, God's going to work until it comes. So if God doesn't want us slack concerning the promise, what does that mean? He wants us working until it comes. I'm going to prove it to you. Let's read the very next verse. Verse number 10. Hebrews 4, verse 10. Read. For he that, For he that entered his into rest, his rest, he also, he also Ceased from his own works. He he has had to work until he's done. And then he gets to enter into his rest. Read verse 11. So let us therefore labor to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Here's what I'm telling you. Amen. The apostle likened a lack of work to unbelief. He said, we just got to get out there and work. We got to work. We got to labor to enter into that rest. If we're not working towards it, it's because we don't really believe it. Musicians come. In other words, as long as there's still work to be done, we can't stop. We can't rest. We can't relax. We can't grow slack until every promise has been fulfilled. Oh, God, put it in our hearts tonight. God, put it in our hearts tonight. Give us a revelation tonight. I'm telling you, there's territory out there that God wants us to pursue. There are things out there God wants to give to us. There are things God wants to show us. There's a depth of the Spirit to which God wants to take us. But we're going to have to work to get there. We're going to have to labor. It's our way of showing God. We do believe it, God. We do believe your promise. I'm not going to be slack concerning your promise. There's still territory to be conquered. Let's stand. There's still territory to be conquered. And we cannot be slack concerning his promise. We have to stay busy until everything has been fulfilled. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. These altars tonight are for those who want to commit themselves. God, I'm here tonight to pledge myself. I'm going to labor to enter in. You can count on me. Sign me up, Jesus. Put me in your workforce. Come on, he went out again at the 11th hour, and he saw people just standing there slack. 
They're just standing there idle. And he said, no, 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 there's too much work to be done. There's no reason to stand idle. Come on, you got to get out here and help me reap this harvest. God's calling tonight for laborers. God's calling tonight for people that are willing. I'll pay the price, Jesus. I'll do it, Lord. Whatever, whatever I need to do, I'll teach Bible studies. I'll hand out church cards. I'll pray prayers. I'll fast. I'll do whatever I've got to do. I want to labor to enter in. I refuse to be slack concerning the promise of God. Oh, let's pray tonight. Let's pray.